to another episode of Red Eye. This is the series where V and I sit down and talk like we would on a red eye flight late at night when the world is asleep. We got some amazing topics for you guys. Uh, v, where do you want to start? Maybe on some NIL drama that is surrounding Angel Reese and her recent photo shoot for Sports Illustrated? Yeah, I mean, we can start there, but that one might be, maybe we should start on some some more fun topics first <laughs> what you got what you got let's let's talk about these nba playoffs uh and the the exciting the exciting conclusion of them um that we're seeing and the exciting rounds that we're seeing i think let's start there and then get into some more of the serious topics i know the tail end of this nba conversation will probably have a little bit more of a serious topic as well um but let's start with the series that nobody wants and nobody wants to watch, the Knicks and Heat. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's ready. Everyone's ready for New York to hang it up and for Miami to move forward and rest up. Yeah, I mean the series is uh I as a as as a Ohio sports fan and as a Cavs fan, I can't help but watch this series and say, How did we lose to this team? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> It's I mean, it's not a good it's not a good New York Knicks team, but to their credit, they played a pretty good game last night. Look, I mean, it's it's a great story. Um, I think it's the opposite of the L.A. Hollywood story. You expect New York with the bright lights. This is a very, very like uh, hard hat wearing uh, team. Right. I think you have to give them a lot of respect for getting out of the first round. Um, But the truth is they don't belong in this series but they they again they play above their level when it matters and they showed up yesterday um and won and extended the series to game six um but this isn't a team you expect to be in the second round of the playoffs yeah i mean i i agree with you i am surprised they forewarned our calves as well um but miami's clearly the better team uh, it's, it's definitely like, you can see that the Jimmy's ankle is not all the way back. Like he's clearly pain, playing in a lot of pain. He clearly can't do exactly the same stuff he was doing, although he was quite strong in, in the game last night, but the heat just did not make anything like it was like really, really ugly watching that game. I mean, last they, night. I mean, they controlled the game when they were able to shoot in the first quarter, they held the Knicks to 14 points in the first quarter, but after that, they went cold, and yeah. you know that's that's the truth about this Miami Heat team too. You know, we talked about the Knicks, but they're missing a lot of their top tier talent, um, who are expected to support Jimmy Butler in that scoring role. And these guys like Struess and 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 others have stepped up into that role. Um, but again, you know, every time I watch one of these games, you know, and you see the same on, we'll talk about on Golden State and you see a Michigan, former Michigan basketball player who was overpaid. (laughs) Duncan Robinson is getting paid $90 million to play basketball and literally is probably the 12th best player on the heat. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the truth. And, and the weird thing about Duncan Robinson is that in that 2020 run that they had, he was sensational. He was lights out shooting. His defense was incredible. And the kind of slide and regression that we've seen from him only signifies a tremendous lack of confidence in his own mind. Very typical. That insecurity is very typical of guys who go to Michigan. So it makes, 100%. It, it makes sense, right? Like we watch the game. We're like, I get it. Like that's what we would expect out of somebody who was recruited by the University of Michigan is they recruit very insecure, very weak minded men. And we're seeing it play out like that's just, yeah. you know, you can't you can't hate on something that's what was expected to happen. No, you can't. You can't. And, you know, we'll get we'll get into that on the other side of the series because it's the exact same storyline, you know. (laughs) So but, you know, I think I think we both are pretty sure that the Heat will close this out in six. Um, Now, the other Eastern Conference series has been quite surprising um, with the historical chokers in 
in the 76ers with not just their team, um, but going down to both the coach, Doc Rivers, and the player, James Harden, um, who have a history of choking or, or under underperforming in the playoffs, really stepping up in these playoffs. Joel Embiid in the last game just really controlled the game. I mean, that guy is the probably he is the deserving MVP uh, of the season. You saw Harden again not have to do very much for this team to win because they also have another young superstar in Tyrese Maxey uh, who who stepped up and has kind of that heart and will um, that Joel Embiid has. Um, but this is surprising, you know that the the Celtics have their back against the wall now and. They're going to have to figure it out. It's 3-2, um, and we'll see. Everybody had the Celtics as the favorite to win the championship, but it seems to be the same issue with the Celtics is that their effort is inconsistent, and they don't play up to the level of their talent in critical moments. I, you see it throughout the playoffs. They'll have games in control through the third quarter or through the beginning of the fourth quarter, they don't close them out, and as a result, eventually a team is going to step up and outperform you like the 76ers did in the last game and just blew them out the gym. I, I completely agree with you. I think the only people in the entire world who don't think the Boston Celtics are going to win the championship are the Boston Celtics, and that's <laughs> sad to say. And you can see it on the court when you see the lack of closeout at the end of the game, when you see the lack of taking control over pace of the game and giving it up to Philly, giving it up to, you know, again, amazing talent like Tyrese Maxey has been unbelievable and he has made me such a huge fan of him. He has that dog in him. He plays hard. He's aggressive. I love that energy. And he's young and he's, you know, a budding superstar. This is what every fan loves to see in the game. He reminds me of Kawhi Leonard when he's healthy, like in terms of the attitude, like he doesn't. He doesn't do any any extra. He just plays the game of basketball. Yeah, and that's 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 what we all want, right? As fans, we just want to see people, you know, be great. And uh, we know Boston's better than they're playing. That's what's tough about watching this series. But to Philadelphia's credit, something that I noticed with Doc Rivers this year is that his entire message changed. Like in the past, he's always been you know normal coach stuff. But this time he's he's reached a level of just completely like, I don't give a fuck about anything anymore. And where that stands out to me is like I saw an interview he did when they were down 2-0 and he was just like, I don't care. Like he was literally like, I don't really care what happens. And I think like maybe for Doc Rivers, he needed to just let go a little bit more because him getting into that mindset of who cares? I don't care. We're just going to play basketball and show up and, and have a good time. It's it seems like Philadelphia is playing with more freedom. And then I think like when you have these young stars, especially like a Tyrese Maxey, having him beat out a couple of the games, this playoffs, I think gives players like him and Harden the permission to shine and take on a bigger role in a greater way. And I think then when you add him back into the mix, like you mentioned, Embiid was brilliant, but now you have elevated confidence against this particular team and against this particular matchup that from recent memory, these players are like, oh, we can win this. Like we're better than these guys and we have our best player back. Right. And I think that that is like something that in any sport, you can't you can't buy that. You can't buy that confidence. It has to come from an experience. Yep, yep. Um, and I think they're taking on the personality of Joel and the rest of the team. The rest of the team is taking on his kind of personality, and that's really helping. Also, it's not it's not the responsibility of Doc Rivers um, to get these guys mentally prepared. Joel and winning the MVP, kind of approaching the game that he the way that he approaches it. I think that's carrying over to the rest of the team, and that makes your job as a coach much easier um and you know i still don't think that they can win a championship but the fact that they have the celtics on the brink of elimination and very easily could win this series um puts them in the driver's seat if they do win whoever wins this series is likely going to the nba finals um unless of course i don't you don't want to bet against jimmy butler aka batman but you can never bet against the miami heat that's but in terms of uh, in terms of what's on paper the Celtics or the 76ers should 
be able to handle that series with with ease considering the injuries and everything else yeah and dude like i i I say this probably every time we talk about the heat i gotta give a shout out to the heat organization they're incredible like this is incredible what we see from them the consistency the focus the drive the 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 just kind of raw like desire to win to be there I mean, even when they're not making shots, they're freaking tough on the court. Their defense is tough. They're physical. It's just what you want out of any team, that level of buy-in. I think it's just a testament to great culture. And and we see it every year. You know, you see what it what it creates, you know, jumping over into um, the West side. I think we're seeing kind of maybe the opposite of that at Phoenix, where we see a team that hasn't yet really built any sort of culture in the past. I would say our maybe not arguably they've had a losing culture in Phoenix, even with Devin Booker, even with Deandre Ayton, Chris Paul, even with the team that they were fielding prior to KD, it was a losing culture. And then this year we've seen Devin Booker change completely. Like the efficiency he's playing with the way he's putting the ball in the basket. It's, I mean, this is, this is to me the closest thing to like that D Wade performance. We talk about in 06 to Jordan in the playoffs. Like there's a level of dominance, but he's not able to get it done by himself. And I think that's, what's really tough about the Denver Phoenix matchup. It's like, you want to see a player who's doing incredible things be rewarded in a matchup, but Denver has two players that are also doing incredible things and Jokic and, and Murray. And we also had supporting cast show up the last game as well. And Michael Porter jr. In um, a few of their other kind of role players. And I just think Denver's too much for Phoenix to handle, but I don't think Denver is the best team in the NBA. I don't think that they're playing to that level. And I think that while they're incredibly consistent and solid, I don't see their ceiling being higher than other teams, but I see their floor being higher than almost every team in the NBA. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to go back to what you were saying about the heat and just in sports in general, is I don't think enough teams or organizations take a, you know, a, a the right approach to player development in terms of knowing what type of personalities you want to have on the team. Somebody can be extremely talented, but if they come with a lot of distractions off the court, the Heat aren't going to draft them. The Spurs are not going to draft them. You know, the Lakers, of course, will take anybody that's willing to come uh, to Hollywood. They enjoy the Hollywood aspect of things but it does say something about these organizations they're not going to win all the time but they're going to perform above the level of talent that they have and in those situations where the talent meets those expectations because even when lebron was in miami you saw the shift in his personality in terms of not being as as instrumental as the only voice even though in the game he dictated it Pat Riley didn't allow a lot of the same things in terms of having Rich and Maverick involved on the team flights and all that stuff. Not any knock against organizations that do that, but it's like even the, a player of his caliber adjusting to the standards of what the Miami Heat expect and not being like, oh no, we're going to do it my way, says a lot about the respect that they demand and the culture that they've they've developed and i think that that's important for organizations and you bring up the denver point i think that that is what these young talented teams like memphis and and denver that's the gap that needs to be bridged is what is our culture um and establishing culture they have the talent but the 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 culture hasn't the winning culture hasn't been developed in order for them to to win and it's probably the same is true for the boston celtics you know um they don't have, you know, and 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 I don't want to shit on the Boston Celtics too much because the truth is what happened in the preseason with their coach that took them to the finals, having to lose his job the way that he did, and you bring in a coach who has no experience. Joe Mazzulla has done a great job, yep. Yep. but in the playoffs, some of these things may be showing. Yeah, I think that's an amazing point about the coaching change. We When we saw the change happen, we were like, dang, that's tough because Boston was definitely looking like the best team last year up until they lost in the finals. And we all thought they could have edged that out. If you were to run that series back, it could have gone either way. And you, you, then you lose your head coach, who's actually a good coach, maybe a shitty person, but he's a good coach, yeah. you know? And he built a great culture there. It was a very tough culture. 
And to your point, like Boston seems to have lost a little bit of the Boston in them, that tough kind of energy that is very much a part of that city and that energy in the fan base. It doesn't really seem to be coming through. Philadelphia is out toughing them right now. Yeah, especially with the personalities. What Boston had going for them is that they had the offensive firepower and then they had their three key star players were very willing defenders and and Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart, who's obviously every year on an all-defensive team. You're not seeing that in this series in terms of that toughness show through in terms of you saw it in, in, in game two with the way they approached defending Harden. But in the last couple of games, you haven't you haven't seen that. Yeah, absolutely. I want to get your thoughts, V. Like, what what's your view on Phoenix, and you know, especially like uh, some commentary on on what you're seeing out of D Book this year. Well, I mean, D Book is 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 showing that he has the Mamba mentality. You know, he he definitely is building that into into his performance. Obviously, when you add a superstar like KD, it has an impact, just like it did with Golden State. It opens up things more for Devin Booker to shine before Devin Booker was the primary offensive focus. And it just goes again to the respect that KD has as as what teams need to plan for and, and prepare for. Um, but with that said, when the opportunity is presented to yourself, how do you take advantage of it? And what we're seeing from Devin Booker is someone who's taking full advantage and highlighting just how great he is as a player, because a lot of guys can get the opportunity, but there's only so many Steph Curry's or Devin Booker's who know how to take advantage of that situation. Or even Kobe Bryant, when he played with Shaq, he knew how to take advantage of that situation to really shine and maximize that opportunity. That's my thoughts. Those are my thoughts on Devin Booker issues with Phoenix. Obviously are, they are pencil thin. They don't have a deep roster. Now Deandre Ayton is also questionable for this game. So I just don't see them being able to get through the series, but I do think that we should see a championship from the Phoenix Suns. If they are able to add the depth with veterans and mid-level exception players in the offseason, um, they should be right back there next year. And I'm not counting them out of this series by any means, but Denver just is is the deeper, younger, healthier team. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And, you know, I think the tough thing to say, I'm a massive Chris Paul fan, but Phoenix has to get rid of Chris Paul if they want a chance at winning a championship. And they have to replace him with two solid, younger guards. Either that or he they, he needs to take a salary cut and allow them to get another another yeah. player. I think he's still valuable. He just can't be getting paid $50 million a year and not being reliable from a health standpoint at this age. Yeah, especially now you have KD's salary on the roster too. And I guess the question is, will KD even be staying there, right? Like it's hard to say with... With KD these days, like he might demand his... it. He might demand. He might demand a trade back to Golden State. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, for you know, Jordan jump... Poole, for Jordan Poole, and Draymond Green. Jumping into that series, uh, I definitely have to say, Game Five in Golden State, Warriors were down three-one. It was a statement for them to say, "Hey, we are not going to roll over. We are the defending champs. It's not easy to take us out." And that was actually the first closeout game of LeBron's career that he's lost as well. So I found that fascinating. I really wanted to shout out Draymond's game five performance, 20 points, critical points that he does not often put up in his play style, but he took advantage of the way they were switching of the layup opportunities and single coverage he was getting. And the kind of defense he played on AD was suffocating. I was really, really impressed with Draymond Green, and I think he was a critical reason the Warriors won the game last night. Yeah, I mean, that was one of my main concerns with this series is I'm all for this kind of player empowerment, buddy-buddy type of stuff, but what really stood out to me during the season that bothered me a little bit was Draymond, who reflects this like ultimate competitor you know, everybody, you know, if you're not on my team, you're not on, you're not on my team. Wanting to get a day off to be able to go see LeBron um, play and break the scoring record. And then obviously 
have now sharing the same agency as LeBron, doing a lot of marketing stuff with LeBron. I was wondering if Draymond was distracted by the potential of the off-court um, stuff, distracted his mentality in approaching a series against LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who is also a friend and on clutch. Now, I've thought in the first few games of the series, you saw a timid, passive Draymond Green, who really was probably mentally distracted. And I think, and 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 you know what's funny is, you know, and this probably isn't going to be something that people enjoy hearing. LeBron is very, very good at the psychological manipulation of That's what opponents. I was thinking, too. A hundred percent. He brings these people in, becomes their friends. It's it's very you know they say he's a nice guy but it's very Kobe and MJ in terms of how he approaches them and then having them be part of the same agency bringing them into his endorsement deals I feel like it's 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 more tactical you know having them on the shop giving them these these platforms that then make them a little bit indebted to him and don't approach him with the same competitive energy uh, because if you real if you know like in those first couple of series, they Draymond used to attack LeBron and and bully him, beat him up. He doesn't do that anymore. He used to kick him in the balls. We all saw yeah. it. We all saw that <laughs> yeah. happen. But you know yeah. what, bro? It it's very much the rich person playbook is give yeah. people a bunch of shit they can't afford, make them feel indebted to you, and then own them. Yep. <laughs> so yep. Is, he learned from the best, bro. He yeah, learned from the it, best. It, Yep, yep, yep. And 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 that's what I saw in this game five. It's Draymond waking up and saying, you know what, fuck that. But, you know, and then also the other thing about this this game five that really I think the conversation around the officiating and the referees in the first four games, it to me it was not so much, oh, they're calling too many fouls. It was that you're disrupting the full flow of the game and what I want to see is the Golden State Warriors be allowed to play their form of basketball and the Los Angeles Lakers be allowed to play their form of basketball and let the best team win. And I feel like this was the first game the the officials actually allowed that to happen. Um, your your so. role is... I thought so. Yeah. And, and just a comment on that. I think the biggest area of impact we saw was Andrew Wiggins' defense on LeBron. Because yep. I thought he was suffocating. I thought LeBron had a lot of trouble finishing at the rim. It's a very uncharacteristic of LeBron to have that kind of trouble finishing at the rim. He had to settle for a lot of outside jumpers and threes, which he shot well. But it was a very different game. And then jumping over to um, to the pick and roll coverage between Draymond and Clay, some of the best pick and roll coverage I've ever seen in my life. These guys were suffocating the crap out of whoever had the ball. They weren't even able to get it to the role man who was setting the screen. I, I've never seen the Warriors play with that much passion and intensity. And the question is, like, I, we were texting during the game. Can they sustain it through four quarters? They clearly did. Now, can they sustain it through another two games that take the series? We're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, and then we also saw what what the potential problem is with the Lakers, right? The reason that they were able to win in the bubble was because it was a confined schedule and Anthony Davis's injury uh, injury issues could not creep up. And it was like a shocking moment yesterday. Um, all reports today say it wasn't a concussion, which again is, you know, it feels like every time AD gets an injury, uh, we'll talk about this in a little bit, it's. It seems like he's going to be out for the season or out for an extended period. If it was a concussion, he was going to miss game six and seven, which would have given the Golden State Warriors a huge advantage. You also saw LeBron's foot issue. I don't know how much of it was, you know, extra dramatics or how much of it was serious, but LeBron did have a serious foot issue. Yeah. Um, at at the tail end of the season, and it was and if kind that, of a it was kind of freak injury, right? Like to to what yeah. I've read, yeah. So you don't know the health the health issues. If you lose AD on the Lakers, you become you go from a defensive powerhouse to a defensive liability. That's how impactful he is on the defensive end of the court. Um, losing him would severely impact with them. They have no depth at the big position that can cover the ground and do what what AD does. They literally don't have anyone that can replace him. So if he's not a hundred percent or if he's mentally worried about injury and not playing as physical, that's going to have an impact on the rest of the series. Um, but what I saw yesterday was that 
if both teams are allowed to play basketball and the refs don't intervene, you really see how much of a better, I wouldn't say a better team, but how much more of a poetic team Golden State is. They are in sync. The way they play the game of basketball on both ends, of course, not just on offense, the way they play together, it's, 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 it's phenomenal to watch. And when they're operating like that, there's nobody in the NBA that can beat them. And they did that despite Jordan Poole, again, not showing up. Yeah. And, yeah. And you and, and to replace that, you had Draymond and Wiggins put on amazing performances. Moody put on an amazing performance. Gary Payton, Gary Gary Payton, Payton Jr. Too. He's so good, man. He is so good and he's so underrated as a player. So, yeah, again, Golden State does have that supporting cast. If they choose to show up, Golden State can be the best team in the league again. But we have not seen them show up yet. This playoffs. This was the first time. Yeah, I mean, and they they did show up a little bit in the King series when they were down, down two zero. Um, they 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 did enough, but like you said, they didn't. They haven't been playing championship caliber basketball all season. They have been terrible on the road, and they've got to get a big road win. But if this game goes, the series goes to Game Seven, it's going to be challenging. But the Lakers have yet to lose at home in the playoffs. Um, you know, LeBron is going to come prepared. Um, Hopefully AD is on the court for the game. If if AD is not on the court, I think this is a blowout win for the the Warriors. Yeah. Um, so it's critical if he goes down, this series is over. Um, yeah. And it'll be it LeBron's first three one that he would give up. It would give Steph. He would get that one back basically from yeah. uh, from what that kind, championship. What kind of crazy storyline would that be? You know, but it would be sad. The, it would be sad to see a team lose because one of their best players is injured. That it's never what you want. I mean, but then again, that that can be karmic too, right? The Draymond Green suspension is the reason that the Cavs were able to come back in that series. That was that, uh, that was makes... definitely a league-assisted championship. I think there's no doubt about that. But I, as a Cleveland fan, I'm not really going to publicly claim that very oh, much. Oh, <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, it, it doesn't take away from the impact of coming back. The Warriors yeah. still should have had enough talent but i'm saying that that's from a karmic standpoint that lebron can't be too mad if if that yeah, happens 100 it benefited him in the past and but the scales need to be balanced but it would be a horrible way for this series to end for fans yeah um for that to be the case or, or for anthony the worst thing that could possibly happen is the lakers actually get to the finals and anthony davis gets injured then it doesn't become a fun that's how critical he is. He is the best player on this team now. And then LeBron New York, is, if New York wins in that situation, that'll yeah. I'll just be pissed. <laughs> yeah, because the reason that, that Anthony Davis is so critical is that he raises the level of the defense of every player on the team, including LeBron. LeBron is he's a willing defender, but when AD's on the court, he becomes a really, really good defender. Um and I think that's why that's why I say he's the most critical component. Yeah, and I also want to call out a couple X's and O's things that I noticed during the Lakers series. Um, specifically, last night the Warriors really pulled AD out to the perimeter a lot, using basically only running pick and rolls with whoever was being guarded by AD. I think the Lakers just need to find a different mechanism of switching defenders because AD does not need to ever be leaving the paint, and they need to find a way to keep him down there. The defense that the the Lakers ran in game one looked nothing like the the defense that they ran last night. And that's puzzling to me why you wouldn't run the thing that already worked for you earlier in the series against the exact strategy the Warriors used last night. I just think there was a, a lack of adjustment. I think they were a little bit shook up and exhausted from the travel, from being in Golden State. It's obviously a very loud crowd, loud arena. But overall, like... I I definitely think like that was probably a more of a learning opportunity last night for Darvin Ham than for anybody else because it shows that Steve Kerr is a brilliant coach. The adjustments he made were brilliant, and Darvin Ham just didn't adjust, especially at halftime. He should have made a, a much stronger adjustment and wasn't able to. And I think you know part of that is we're we're away, like you know that's part of it. And they have this home court advantage. They're making everything. But then the other side of it is like, that was still a winnable game for LA. There's no doubt about it. Um, it just requires a, a, a couple smarter changes on the defensive yeah. side to keep and the paint protected. hundred percent. And Steve Kerr, you know, the, the, he was brilliant. Again, these are, yeah. these are the chess moves 
he was brilliant in what he said about the Lakers flopping. The fact that both Darvin Ham and LeBron responded to that, it had the effect that it needed to do because he got in their head. They should have not even responded at all to that. But the fact that they allowed that statement to get into their head was was brilliant. Yeah, I agree. And it, it was just it was just to me, it was not the LA Lakers team that was winning against Golden State that we saw last night. It was a more lazy effort. Even though it looked like they were trying really hard from a strategic and kind of X's and O's and like mental standpoint, it didn't seem like LA was really there to the same level Golden State was. And I mean that's what happens in an elimination game. That's why the playoffs are so fun because when your back's against the wall, you you reach new levels, you, you reach new heights. And that, that's the beauty of sports is it pushes you to be great. 100%. 100%. And I, I mean, this is the beauty of basketball specifically. Uh, to me, overall, what we're seeing is all these narratives, all these storylines, all these adjustments, and why seven-game series matter. Because you really have to... Any team that wins a seven-game series, you have to be consistent, and you have to continually be the better team. Anybody can win in a one-off situation. A worse team can beat a better team in a one-off situation. But what these seven-game series really do expose is your ability to continue to make adjustments and improve and continue to play the chess game the way that you needed to. And I don't want to, you know, I know you've been a big supporter of Darvin Ham, so I don't want the audience to misconstrue your 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 analysis of what Steve Kerr did because Darvin Ham has also shown the ability to adjust in this series. Now it's your move, Darvin. And yeah. that's essentially where we're at with with this series. And it's it's yeah, to me, and maybe it's the unpopular opinion, it's a box one. That's the defense that's gonna win the Lakers a championship. Put everybody in the paint. And then just have one guy on Steph the whole game and make that probably Vanderbilt or Reeves and just run it like that. Because we've seen success with that lineup. Golden State shifted back to their strategy in earlier games and just the Lakers were unable to move. So we'll probably see a shift. The at-home advantage does favor the Lakers in this next matchup. The physical considerations, the, the foot thing with LeBron, we don't really know. He doesn't look like the same LeBron that we've seen in the past and clearly... It's either age or it is this injury as well that that is hampering him. Um, I was surprised to see the difficulty he had scoring last night. And in, in a previous iteration of him, even two years ago, that LeBron would have dropped 40 points and just won that game last night. So it's it's different now. They have to win a different way. And I think I think they're starting to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, the pressure's on the young guys. I mean, LeBron has better supporting cast than he's in terms of people who can actually carry this. He doesn't need to carry the scoring load anymore. They have a yeah. lot of depth on this team, a lot of guys who can create individually. Not They don't even need to play off of LeBron. You have D'Angelo Russell. You have, you know, AD. You have Reeves, who's playing well. So... But LeBron needs to have the psychological impact on his team and and tap into his his championship pedigree to really get these guys over the top here against against a proud champion. Maybe we'll hear uh, NBA so full of drama. They're going to definitely do the the comp to Steph's speech in the last series. You're going to hear everyone talk about a LeBron speech if they yeah. if they win tomorrow. If they don't, you'll hear about it after Game Seven. But <laughs> you already know that he's planning what he's going to say to win that media headline too. Yeah, and the NBA continues to be a great um, and great. These playoffs have been great. That's why we've talked about them for almost 30 minutes now. Uh, but, you know, there are some other things happening in the world, even though this is what we primarily care about right now. <laughs> it's probably, probably the only thing I care about right now. Yeah. Outside, outside of work, you know. So. Well, work? What's work? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, but it is, there have been a couple of other interesting sports stories um, this week. And I thought um, something that, that, was interesting this week was the uh the angel reese si swimsuit uh cover getting you know it was leaked that she got paid almost 1.4 million dollars for this this cover um and overall the sentiment online for this was very positive um exciting 
uh, obviously, for female athletes to start to get these type of endorsement deals. Um, but, you know, Dominique Dawes, who who uh, is obviously for, for older sports fans, is a legend in the gymnastics space, um, put out some commentary on this that uh, Tafara actually shared with me. Um, and I will go ahead and read her comment, and then we can go from there. Uh, let's discuss this. NIL has allowed college athletes to get paid. That's great. I'm all for it. When I originally signed an athletic scholarship with Stanford in 1994, I turned it down to go pro in order to earn endorsement deals off of the 1996 Olympic Games. NIL wasn't even a remote thought from the NCAA back then. Today, I have three young daughters, and I'm a business owner, which has thousands of young girls coming through my facilities. This whole NIL trend is alarming to me. Why is it that the most effective way to make money for females is by almost bearing it all? Angel Reese and Olivia Dunn are strong, remarkable athletes. Both are at LSU. They are the highest NIL earners for females. Bronnie James is the highest paid for males, and by almost triple that of the two women pictured here. How come the females have to strip down to make a larger percentage of their money? I know it's an SI swimsuit, suit, which is a multi-million dollar deal. The men are always pictured for their athletic achievements along with their endorsements. Tara Vanderveer, the legendary Stanford University women's basketball coach, was quoted as saying, quote, some NIL deals are a step back for women, unquote. And she said, I would love to hear your thoughts. So we're going to share our thoughts with Dominique does. <laughs> it's an interesting one because it's obviously it's obviously a, a fair criticism that most of the money-making opportunities at that level in society for women do require them taking their clothes off to some degree. And we talked about this with OnlyFans. We talked about this with a lot of the monetization that's available for women. Um, but in a sense, that's, that's a byproduct of the society we've structured. But then kind of on the same front, if you want to change society, you have to change society. And it changes by women choosing not to sell out their bodies like that, not to just give away their sexuality for dollars. But for whatever reason, they keep making that decision over and over again. Nobody's asking women to put their bodies out there but there's this narrative that's built of, oh, it's body positive, body positive for me to go do these shoots. It's body positive to do this. Well, if it's body positive to do that, then you're also continuing to incentivize an economy that exploits women for their bodies and sexualizes them. And you're also further creating that narrative for the next generation of young women. So you're not really making the world a better place by taking these deals. And at the same time, you have to ask the question, what are people actually interested in female athletes for? Because it's been a space that nobody's really cared about. But then you have an athlete like Caitlin Clark, who I don't ever want to see her do a swimsuit shoot. I don't give a shit what she looks like. I want to see her basketball highlights. And if Caitlin Clark endorses a protein brand, that means something to me because she's earned my respect as an athlete and as a competitor. And I think the the line that a lot of people are not really willing to cross and you know, I, I feel comfortable saying it is that amongst our society, there are not a lot of female athletes that are able to earn the respect as a competitor of their male peers or counterparts or fans. And if the male fans are only seeing women as sexual objects, then the opportunities that are going to come are going to be as sexual objects. And I think that's really where it's not anybody's fault but you can change these types of paradigms in societies by just choosing not to partake in them and changing the way you act one by one. And so I would say to Dominic Dawes, the only person that you should be calling out is Angel for taking the deal. But at the end of the day, if Angel wants to take the deal, that's her right. That's her choice. And she's getting a million dollars. That's amazing. Good for her. You know, she's earned that opportunity for herself. And if she doesn't feel any type of way about it, then that's 100% fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's obviously her choice to do that that perpetuates the sexualization of women. Yeah, I mean, I think again, it's this. This you 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 bring up a great point, and all of your points are, are well noted. To make this change, the thing that I have, I guess, where where my position on this is, is the thing that's frustrating sometimes is this: is that 
it undermines, you know, on one hand, you have women saying, we don't want to be sexualized all the time. We're over-sexualized in society. And, you know, anybody who is close to females, has females in their relation, in their in their families know that this is something that happens consistently, is the sexualization of women leading to women being treated and handled or being disrespected in certain ways in public, on social media, uh, other platforms. Um, but there is a strict liability component of it. You can't say, hey, we're being sexualized, overly sexualized, and then continue to sell your sexuality as your primary means of endorsement. And then also, and I don't want to just hold the players accountable, um, but these brands that continue to do this, the creation of platforms like OnlyFans to do this and, and encourage this type of behavior to get paid. Right. And, you know, the whole money is the root of all evil. It is true. Like we're not going to that's not what the purpose of this is, is to debate that. But I'm very disappointed in Angel Reese for this is that she had the opportunity. The reason that she rose to fame was for how good of a basketball player she is. The 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 Dunn girl. I don't know if she's good enough to make it to the Olympics. She's very blatant and outward in the fact that what she's selling is her appearance and what she looks like in the type of video she sexualizes herself in the videos. That's the product of choice. But why I'm disappointed in Angel Reese is that she really got the same attention for the same reason that Caitlin Clark did, which was for her basketball skills. And this is a missed opportunity with what Dominique Dawes was saying. The crux of her point is that why is it that we can't be highlighted for how good of athletes we are? And the truth is you can, you know, because if you look at, I see muscle milk and muscle milk commercials with female basketball athletes. I see Gatorade commercials with female athletes that are being sexualized. It's a choice that these folks are making and these athletes, and they need to make better choices and think about things beyond themselves for this to move forward. And this is, goes back to like civil rights and, and just any kind of social movement. You have to think beyond yourself. And we're in a society that is very self-serving and people only think about themselves. And it's very, and then they get dangled and get, the money is always a challenge, right? If Sports Illustrated offers you 1.4 million, everybody has a price, right? If Sports Illustrated offers you $1.4 million for this deal, why are you offering her $1.4 million to take her clothes off, but you're not offering her $1.4 million to speak to the entire female basketball community in the country? That's also part of the issue, right? Yeah, Why that, is it? That's a great point. But great you're, point. All, you're willing to pay Bronny James, who had, just because of his last name, he's getting $7 million in NIL money, and he's not even the best high school basketball player in the country. So that's a missed opportunity on both sides. I'm disappointed, but it's also Angel. Why I don't want to like shit on Angel Reese too much is she is a 19, 20 year old kid who needs to have people around her who are encouraging her to say, hey, this isn't the right deal for you. This isn't the right message for your overall career crack for you to send. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll say this too. Like, I don't see anything wrong with her choosing to do a swim shoot. shoot. The only thing that that goes against, it just goes against the desire to not sexualize women. But yeah. if your goal is to not sexualize women, then the only commentary is you've made the wrong decision. But if you don't care and, about that, do whatever you want. It's your, it's your and, life, you know? And, and if she wants to, if that's the, the brand that she wants to embody, and I say this all the time, if that's the brand somebody wants to embody, that is the brand that you're going to embody. But what you don't have the right to do is then be upset about the collateral damage that creates because you know what the collateral damage is and what you're going to have to deal with, right? Is when, when, when they talk about your body more than they talk about your basketball skills, don't, don't raise your hand and say, oh man, I'm a victim here because you willingly made that choice. Yeah. That's it. Like you said, there's nothing wrong. If that's the brand, it's in music, it's in sports, you know, there's always the female athlete that, that rises because of, of her attractiveness, not her skill. In tennis, we had Anna Kornikova. We had, we've had this in all sports. This is something that women specifically are dealing with in society, and women athletes in, in, in specifically. 
but they want to be the overarching theme here is that what this past March Madness really did was create a platform for women's basketball and specific specific to have a platform based on the athletic prowess of these women. It was more competitive, more exciting than the men's tournament. To have the biggest face of that turn around immediately afterwards and make this decision is a challenge for the sport. I'm not saying that she didn't have the right to it to do it, but she didn't need to do it. Her specifically, Angel Reese, and what she has going for her, she could have gotten NIL deals for other things and been the trailblazer. It's like everybody in, in sports, there's always those opportunities that athletes have. And this is why Muhammad Ali is always going to be my favorite athlete is because he decided to make the decision that was best for society and pay the price for himself just as like, a result just of like that. Chappelle, bro. Just like, Chappelle. just like Chappelle and Chappelle did that in comedy. Like that opportunity was here and Angel Reese could have it. That's what I'm disappointed in is that I feel like if the right people were in on her team, this decision wouldn't have been made. Well, and let, let's call it what it is. She sold out. And there's nothing, yeah. there, again, there's nothing yep. wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with selling out. If you value the money more than you have any sort of risk or downside to what's being asked of you, that's fine. That's, that's your values. Who are we to judge? It's your life. Live it how you want to. But to but your point, the, you, you, you can't have both. You can't have it both no, ways. No, it's, it's a strict liability. It's, it's, I love this term in law. My lawyer friends say it's strict liability. Your decisions, you are strictly liable for the decisions you make and the consequences that they lead to. And I think for Dominique Dawes, who was an athlete who, 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 who rose to fame, it is troubling for her. And she's also a gymnast, right? And, and the Dunn girl specifically, you know, and a lot of these female gymnasts, they're not getting a platform for their athletic prowess. They're getting a, a platform for what they look like and, and their sexualization of what they wear, how they wear it. That's why they're being watched and they're, they're feeding into it. And I think it's something that's somebody who's trying to build the sport because she's very active in the community. It bothers her because there's a psychological impact that isn't being discussed in this. No matter how much money these girls are making, when you're overly sexualized, it starts to have. A, a psychological impact on your words. Some of the most most depressed women that I know are the most attractive ones. Yeah, and le- and let me let me say one more thing about the consumer of this content. What most people are unwilling to admit is that all of this energy toward body positivity, being more sexual publicly, having the freedom to showcase your body, you are selling to a market of the bottom eighty percent of men. You are selling to the most unhappy, lowest self-worth, most depressed part of society, and you're helping them perpetuate their negativity by continuing to foster it, by continuing to give them a place to put their money to maintain a low energy state. If you're okay with that, do your OnlyFans, but don't do OnlyFans and say you're improving the world because you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just what it is. And that, that, that's the other thing that's really bothering me about this, like women empowerment and, and you know, this is uh, by sexualizing um, the woman. Men, and it's, it's, it, this is an interesting last part of this conversation is that you don't win as a male artist by taking your clothes off. If you did that, you would get shut down right away, right? Like no, nobody's, nobody's going to sit there and say, okay, well, you know, obviously women like men with their shirts off and stuff like that, but they don't, they don't need to go to the length of sexualizing themselves as women do to get traction. And specifically in like the hip hop space, every female rapper, it's the same thing. It's all sex all the time. That's all they talk. Like you talk about and care about more things, you know, sexual liberation has always been there. Women have been allowed to be, sexually free to but they haven't been able to control the narrative of sexuality right yeah but that doesn't but this isn't helping the cause of what your root problem is is which is how men 
like you said, the consumer of this content absorb this content. Men are not going to take you seriously and it's, and in it's any l- other way. It's all low quality men. Like that's the thing that that people yeah. are not resonant. It's low quality women marketing to low quality men. Yep. If you're high quality on either, you're you're focused on other things. And it's not quality from a judgment perspective. Nobody's better than anybody else, but quality from the perspective of the type of challenges that you are currently dealing with, your state of self-love, your state of self-worth, low self-worth people utilize their bodies to get approval and low self-worth people consume other people's bodies to try and fill holes within themselves. That's, that's what the sex markets are. And as long as you're willing to accept that that's what you're partaking in energetically, then it's that's fine. Everyone has free will and yeah. the choice to do whatever they want, but don't act like it's something else. Yeah, that's that's the that really is the issue. Don't promote this as as anything beyond what it is. If you're taking your clothes off for for OnlyFans, you're not helping um, the woman who goes to work every single day with their clothes fully on, trying to compete with men in the workplace and, yeah. and rise and get the same promotions. You're not helping their cause by doing that. You're not that. doing anything for moms. You're not doing anything for yep. little girls that are being raised looking at this content. You're not doing anything for women in general. It's anti-women to sexualize yep. women. Yep. That's just the reality. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I think that gets us to a button. We're going to get in trouble for this one, but that's fine. Yep. It, I think it's a rational, honest, and positive if, viewpoint. If, if we get in trouble for having a, a logical debate and and not shitting on anyone specifically, but saying, hey, your your actions have consequences and you have to own those consequences, that might explain why, you know, society has as many problems as it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, man. Well said. <laughs> you know, and I think if, if, if you're listening to this and, and, you know, you are wrestling with the idea as a female or a male of the, these, these situations that come up in life that ask you to do something that maybe you're like, ah, oh, that's a little low frequency. Like that doesn't necessarily feel like the right kind of energy that I want to partake in. Listen to your intuition and do the things that feel right to you. Like life is not about money. You're not going to die on the streets. Like that's, that's, you don't have to think out of a place of desperation. It's just not how it works. Just focus on being the person that you needed when you were a child. And if you use that as kind of your guiding force, it'll create all the positivity and all the love around you that you've been looking for. And you can be that person you needed to everybody else that needs that person now. And I think that's like, male, female, whatever you are, like we all have to remember that there's a whole younger generation looking at us and taking notes from us and trying to learn from us what's right and what's wrong. We set that example every day with every tweet, with every message we put out, with every comment we write. And we have to be aware that we are, we are molding and imprinting the entire next generation with every action we make. 100%. So well said. And on that note, Remember to stay moving and be you. You was blind. Pilot boys out. Pilot boys, we get on up. We gon' fly, boys, we get up. So high, so high, so high, so high. Pilot boys, we get on up.